The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of KWAM. Jim Shoemaker and Jamie Cochran are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind, I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff, I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money, and now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money, where we talk about everything financial here on Talk Money with KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. Well, today's program, let me tell you, today's program, financial wellness has been growing in popularity over the last several years. If you think about it, you hear more about it in the news. Well, just what is financial wellness? According to a statistic from Price Waterhouse, 53% of employees feel stressed dealing with a personal financial situation. Today, Shannon Dyson and Jared Blair from our office will share how a successful financial wellness program can actually change both money attitudes and everyday behavior. You don't want to miss that part of the program. In the second segment of today's program, Jamie Cochran will share with us ways to determine if you need long-term care and if you've decided you need it, how much do you need? Here's the question for you. Do women need care longer than men? Well, we'll find out in today's second half of the program. From our Did You Know Files, research from the Department of Labor states only 37% of all jobs in the United States 37% of all jobs in the United States require a college education, excuse me, a high school education or more. 63% of American jobs require only a high school education and possibly even less than that, 63%. The Federal Reserve has just published that the aggregate household debt, wait for this, you'll kind of don't don't fall out of your chair, in the United States has reached $13.15 trillion as of the end of last year. It's the highest level ever recorded in the United States. Household debt has increased over the last 14 consecutive quarters. The Internal Revenue warns you that you, if you turn age 70 and a half, sometimes in 2017, you must begin taking annual withdrawals from your IRA accounts no longer, no later than April the 1st of this year. If you delay your first withdrawal until April the 1st, you must also take a second distribution by December the 31st of this year. That's 2018. Here's a statistic for you. The National Vital Statistics Report recently indicated that the life expectancy at birth in the United States was 51.7 years in 1916. Life expectancy at birth this year, 2016, this this just 2016, 100 years later, 78.6 years. Well, here's what we're going to be talking about. With life expectancy increasing, do you need long-term care? Jamie Cochran in the second half of the program will answer the question. He'll give you some insight into how much do you need and uh, whether or not you need both of you, men and women. Are you stressed dealing with personal financial situations? Well, I have been stressed for the last couple of weeks. I'm going to tell you a story about something that's so simple and yet how it can stress you out. In the second half, we're going to have the guys going to talk about it. Shannon Dyson, Sharon, Jared, Jared Blair will help us understand why financial wellness should be an employee benefit program for all employees. It's important as in a medical plan. So find out a little bit more about it. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Hi, this is George Bryant, General Manager of The Voice FM 107.9 and AM 990 with a special announcement. If you're an expert in your field, if you represent an organization, if you think you can help Memphis become a better place by sharing your life experience on family, environment, health, 
relationships, government, home improvement, raising pets, whatever your passion is, give me a call. If you've ever wanted to have your own radio show or podcast, now is the time. We have immediate openings, so call me today. You can be the host of your own show, a show that you own. Talk to Memphis on The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. My number is 901-261-4200, extension 228. That's 261-4200, extension 228. As internet technology advances, so does the threat of cybercrime. In times like these, we must protect ourselves from cybercrime. Antivirus software, firewalls, and security patches are just the beginning. Never open suspicious emails and only navigate to trusted sites. Protect your child by installing parental control software and monitoring their computer use. To learn more about cybercrime, visit ncpc.org or contact your local law enforcement agency. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot on this program is just how do we manage finances and how do we go through the process of just day-to-day living, and we talk about basically everything financial. Well, I have to admit to you that I've been working through this issue since, uh, I guess, since January, where I needed to to purchase something. And to be honest, you know, I do this all the time. I make big decisions, little decisions, and this has been one of the most stressful things I have done in the last 10 years. It's just a Six or seven thousand dollar purchase. It's not a big deal, but I have wore out everybody around me going through the research and the, you know, it's like I've got an information overload and I don't know what to do. I get so frustrated and it just, it's my wife told me the other day, she said, just make a decision. And I could tell real quick that I didn't need to ask her for any more advice from her. <laughs> so here's what we're going to talk about it's a program called Financial Wellness. And the reality is, It's gaining momentum because you're listening to someone who's obviously wore everybody else around him, you know, out because they don't want to hear it anymore. And maybe you've had that same type of behavior or maybe that attitude where you're trying to make the right decision. You don't know exactly what to do. Well... Financial Wellness, that's the program. My guests today, Shannon Dyson and Jared Blair, Vice President of Shoemaker Financial, Shannon Dyson, and, of course, the guys in charge of our group department, Jared Blair. And, Jared, both of you, welcome to the program. Shannon, Jared. Thanks for having us, Jim. It's great to be here. You know, one of the things, guys, honestly, literally, I am talking about a situation that it just kind of hit the ceiling last, uh, this this past Monday. I just, you know, I've got all my data, and i got all kind of notes, and I'm going through this process, and I said— Told Miss Lynn, I said, okay, you know, what do you think? And she said, can't you make a decision? Can't, just do it. And she was dead serious. She didn't want to hear anything else about it. It was like, all right, I've had it up to here. You know, can't you just pull? It's not a big decision. Right, I yeah. mean, that was what she said. It's not a big decision. So tell me what is today when people talk about financial wellness. I guarantee you there's people listening that identify with what was going on in my household this past week. What do you think? Sure. So, you know, when you talk about employee benefits, uh, a lot of times financial wellness is not listed as, as an employee benefit that people think about when they hear about their benefits. You usually think about um, your medical plan, uh, your life insurance, your disability, even wellness programs, which have, have been big over the last few years. Um, but really, financial wellness is not something that is talked about. And you mentioned a PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, study uh, that they did. And so, what we're finding and what we're hearing more and more. Uh, is that employees of companies have that financial stress that you're mentioning. So they, they feel it, either whether it's a decision that needs to be made uh, financially uh, or it's decisions going on in their personal financial situation of their household, um, and they're feeling that financial stress, and they're wanting their employers to help them out in that area. And that's something that we're seeing more and more of today. You know, is it because we, we – I have to admit to you that, that in my situation, I I – I was going through this process, and you know, I'm a, I'm an analyst type guy, and I'm thinking, okay, I can I need to figure out this, and and I I had the access to too much information, sure, and that's what began to I mean, that really did 
just choke me down. Was I mean, it paralysis uh, by analysis? Paralysis the, by analysis. Yeah. And I saw that, and I got to thinking, you know, and I'm I'm not a millennial. I'm not a Gen Xer. I am a baby boomer. And, and you know, we found out in that statistic you were talking about, 21% of baby boomers really struggle with this. Yeah. But millennials and Gen Xers, Gen Xers are the biggest group. 44% really struggle with this. Is it because maybe they're making bigger decisions? Well, I think, what you think? I think what you see is that it, it affects everybody across the board, uh, no matter what age group or what, what generation you're in, it just may affect you in a different way. So your financial stress could be completely different than a millennial's financial stress. Well, we know because we know that people have a tendency to live from paycheck to paycheck. And uh, that that's we see that when people come into the office, they're struggling with that. And I know that when you're when you're under stress, just paying your bills whether it's credit card debt or whatever, this can be very stressful and not like a decision like mine, just the day-to-day walking through life, drudging through life, just the whole idea. So help me understand. What would an employer want to offer if they if they got all of this in there? You know, it's it's got to affect. I will say this: everybody that's worked with me in the office over the last two weeks, three weeks, mm-hmm. <laughs> have shared with my Seen stress. <laughs> they have been a part right, yeah. of my stress. Right. You know, I know somebody listening right. And she said, "I wish you would make this decision." <laughs> well, that that study that you that you mentioned, you know, fifty they they surveyed uh, employees. Um, and 53% of those that they surveyed said that they felt stress about personal financial situations. Uh, 67% of those under stress said they struggled to pay their bills on time. Yeah. 71% said they consistently carry debt. Um, so those were the big factors when we're talking about the, the stress that an employee is feeling. And so when you hear that as an employer... Um, you know, typically an employer may think, well, what do I have to do with my employees that feel financial stress uh, or their personal financial situations? Um, and what we're seeing is that employers that address this situation and, and, and put together um, a, a plan that is comprehensive in nature, uh, if you have an employee that is not under financial stress, they think a little bit better about what their current job situation is. That's, and so that, that's, that's one of the points that they kept bringing out over and over again, is that if you have an employee that is under financial stress, they don't make enough money. <laughs> and they're, they don't, their increases are not ca- uh, uh, following how much their expenses are, are going up. Do you think it's not making enough money or just not managing? I mean, it's both. It's it, both, yeah, you know. absolutely. Jared, when you're working with an employer, as you were going into an employer and you're talking about their medical care, I yes, mean, you're, we were talking about health insurance, their long-term care, their disability, and all those things that you're talking with from the employer – do when you mention financial wellness, do they glaze over like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, or do they immediately identify that as something their employees need? Well, I think it's something that they identify that they need, but I think they just don't know what it looks like for them, or they don't know how to go about incorporating that into you know their benefits or incorporating into the culture of their business. You know, in that same study that we've been speaking about. Forty-seven percent of employees said that they're missing work because of these stresses, and another twenty percent said that they're spending at least five hours a week actually working on their personal finances while at work. Okay, I could get to that one because I know that I would be guilty of that (laughs) doing a little bit more than I need to. Yes, sir. So, so what when you talk to someone, do what? How do you encourage an employer? To look at, the, I mean, we're talking about something that if it's stress, you said almost half of the people at work are stressed yes, out from it. Shannon, you're talking about people that are saying, "Well, I'm, you know, I don't manage, I don't know how to manage one." Mm-hmm. And you know, we when I went to college, when I went to high school, let's talk about that. We were talking about some statistics about a need of a high school education versus a college education. But the reality is, I was taught how to manage a checkbook. I had a dad who was a financial guy who taught me how to manage a a checkbook, who taught me how to pay cash for things. That's something that our society today is basically not, we're not teaching as much. When I first got in the business, I can remember sitting down with some professional people in their careers, helping them balance their checkbook. A lot of times they just didn't know how. And we take it for granted that everybody just gets up and, you know, it's, it's easy, but right. it's not. No, it's not. And, and it's something that we see a, a lot of. One of the, one of the hurdles uh, to financial success that we have in, as a part of the program is lack of knowledge. And so lack of knowledge is a, is a big factor in this, because just like you said, 
the the man, the managing a checkbook or the balancing a checkbook is something that if you talk to a 20 something year old today they're not going to understand anything about what you're talking about about balancing a checkbook my son is is 16 just uh, he has a, a job that he's working part time um, and he's got a checking account and we were talking about balancing a checkbook and he said what's a checkbook <laughs> and he, he'd never really seen a checkbook he has a de- he's seen a debit card <laughs> and he knows that he has a debit card and he can look at his accounts online but the whole <laughs> the whole idea of balancing a checkbook is is not something that is uh, really taught any longer and it's it is a, it is a unique situation that we have it now all of it's electronic i can remember when my kids were growing up um, i got a call one time from a uh, we were we were members of a country club here in town, and I get a call, and uh, the guy said, "Jim, did you say it was okay for your daughters to buy the whole swim team lunch today?" And I said, "Of course not." And he said, "Well, they they said it was okay. Did you just signed for it, and it's paid." They didn't realize that there was somebody going to write a check for that. <laughs> they were just signing your name. Just signing. I think I may have done that to my dad a few times <laughs> as well. And they were buying it for everybody. So you know, so there is this little bit of this mentality the way we don't we're not going through the basics again. Yeah, I know that for some people. That this is an issue that that is stressful. We talked about that. That's confusing, and uh, when you don't know. But I think also, and I want you to talk about this, especially from what you bring to the table for the employer. It's embarrassing. Yeah. So one of the things that that we we see, and when the study actually proved, was that even though uh, employees are stressed out about their financial situation, almost half of them said they were embarrassed to participate in a program. Mm. Um, And so what we see is that you can't just have a program geared around debt or geared uh, geared around credit card debt or geared around something that might make someone who is a little bit embarrassed about their personal situation to go to that class. What it needs to be is a comprehensive plan, four to six weeks in nature, going over all types of issues, saving enough for retirement, um, getting out of credit card debt if if you are in that debt. Um, managing your money better. You know, those are just things that we can put as a part of a comprehensive plan that will help those folks that may or may not be embarrassed about going to those to participate in the program. You just tuned in. My guests right now are Shannon Dyson and Jaron Blair from my group department and uh, benefits department. And we're talking about just really the reality behind financial wellness. 53% of employees said they felt stressed dealing with their personal financial situation. A recent study by PricewaterhouseCoopers. And the reality is they're embarrassed. And I mean, that's a that's an issue. So I guess, Shannon, when, when you say this and we talk about this, um, you know, we, we've got Jamie's going to come up here in a few minutes who's in that business where he's going to talk with us later on. And, I, Jamie, we're going to pull you in later on. But I want to talk about when you're – they end up in our office sometimes, but this is not a part they've – they've had to take the initiative step and, you know, the, to, to initiate something. Sure, right. If you're doing this from a standpoint of the employer sponsoring it – Tell me what you're going to go through. I mean, you guys have designed a program for them. Uh, financial wellness is kind of the buzzword, yeah. but it's not just about, I mean, we have to do things from a fiduciary standpoint, but their 401k plan, right. that's important. But you're really talking about more than just 401k, more than just getting out of debt. Yeah, we so we offer all types of voluntary benefits, whether it's life insurance, disability insurance on, on an employer paid basis and on a voluntary basis where the employees pay for those benefits. Um, and so when we first start talking to employers about a financial wellness program, what, you know, what is that? What does that entail? And why do we need it? And when we talk about the statistics of employees using, either stressed employees using work time to figure out their finances, okay, maybe this is something important that we need to address. And so the way that we present that is it needs to be a part of your overall benefit program. And so we have annual enrollments uh, that we will do. We can, we can tie this program around that enrollment process. Um, we have several topics that an employer can choose. Uh, what we would typically ask is, is to survey the employees to say what, what topics of information are important to you. Um, we can, and we can completely tailor that program to fit what that group of employees needs. Because what a uh, one job type or, or job occupation may request from us could be completely different than another. So we want to make sure that we're tailoring that program and not just going in with a cookie cutter approach. I know that most employers listening, when anybody listening, would say, well, you know, I want to make sure that they're, we're taking care of their health needs. And when you tell us that, you know, the reality that what Price Waterhouse said is people are stressed out, it's causing them to miss work, 
It's causing them to use time at work trying to figure out how to manage dollars and how mm-hmm. to just manage just the whole idea of the of their financials, what they're working on. Right. And so when you talk about changing attitudes or actually changing behavior, you're not going in just one time. This is not a quick fix, stamp it, move on. Right. This is coming alongside an employer and saying, we're looking at your benefits from a health standpoint, from a life disability, whatever, but also from just a basic overall financial, and I like the term, financial wellness. Well, it's the same concept as all of the wellness, health and wellness programs that, that popped up starting six, seven, eight years ago. Right. The concept being, if you have a healthier employee, you have a more productive employee. And so you get employers to buy into that and say, okay, if my employees are feeling better, they're more energetic, um, I'm going to have a better workforce than if I have a bunch of unhealthy people at work and missing work because of sickness and illness. And so it's the same concept. It's just a financial piece, financial wellness instead of health and wellness. When we come back, I want you to go through some specifics of what you really do at a financial wellness program. Some of the topics, we've kind of excluded the fact that maybe 401k is not the only topic, or maybe just their benefit program is not their only topic. There's an overall full-blown idea behind a person's financial life. I want you to cover those topics. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Talk Money. My guest, Shannon Dyson, Jared Blair, we're talking about financial wellness coming up later though in today's program we're going to talk about long-term care do you need it and how much do you need it and uh, what should you do about it so stay with us you're listening to course 2 def m 107.9 and am 990 the voice talk radio for memphis and the mid-south i'm jim shoemaker this is talk money be sure to like us on facebook just search shoemaker financial we'll be right back with talk money after this CBS Money Watch, presented by ZipRecruiter. The markets ended the day down Tuesday. The Dow fell nearly 300 points. The Nasdaq was down 91. Walmart is now launching four new private label clothing brands. The world's largest retailer says it's trying to meet the demand of its customers who want more fashionable items. Target and Amazon already offer their own clothing labels. Walt Disney Company is pouring $2.5 billion into its Paris theme park. The expansion plan at Disneyland Paris will feature Marvel superheroes as well as characters from the Frozen and Star Wars movies. And Sprint is getting ready to roll out its faster 5G service to customers in Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C. That's your Money Watch in New York. I'm Kenneth Gregg. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for businesses of all sizes. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash CBS News. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. Something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, alright. But don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. I'm talking with Shannon Dyson and Jared Blair. We're uh, talking about financial wellness as an employee benefit. Now, you know, we're talking. You, you, when you think about employee benefits, historically that has been medical insurance, that has been life insurance, that has been long-term care. Those things are even long-term disability. All those things piled into. It's all been focused kind of on the medical side. But as we've talked about in the program today, stress really can affect whether you're working or how well you're working at work. And financial stress is a definite thing that's in the workplace today. Well, we have. A, we've talked about all kinds 
kinds of statistics. The reality is 52% of people feel that they're financially stressed and said they found it embarrassing to talk about money. And those that were financially stressed felt it was just something that kept burdening them. And here's the problem. How do you fix it? Well, that's what we're talking about. And uh, I guess that the reality is you have to look at it as a serious issue. Shannon, let me ask you this. When you talk to employees, they get it, don't they? They they get it. Now, does the employer get it? I mean, we don't, we're don't. we not charging them to do this. This is just an audience of people sitting down and saying, we're going to go through. You're not selling anything. You're, not, you're just giving information and then guiding them through what to do with it. And it's not a one. What I hate about programs like this, and I know you don't do this, is you come in, you're the one-day wonder, you're done, you're one and done, and you're out, and you don't ever come back. You don't do that. You're spending the time and the energy to move the dial. Yeah, we have several programs available that we present to the employer. Uh, but what, we're, what we see a lot is that employers do have some, um, their, their, their concentration has been on helping prepare their employees for retirement. And what we're seeing with these studies and what employees are saying is, Maybe we should have some programs geared more towards actual budgeting and savings for emergency needs that pop up, because that's where your financial stress can really hit, and that's where it can really affect you at work. You know, and I have to say this, having done this for a very long, long time, it, uh, I think people need to understand, this doesn't mean that uh, just because a person has a particular position in a company that he's okay. Correct. I yeah. mean, this is across the board, anybody and everybody. Part of this part of this study talks about income. If you're below a certain number or above a certain number, and they list the stresses, the stresses are still there. Still they there. just may be a little bit different. I'm going to make a decision. I promise you on what I've been talking about, and I'm going to get it down. I'm not going to ask my wife anymore. Miss but... Lynn has been texting me saying, <laughs> yeah, could you right. get him to make a decision? Make a decision. <laughs> you know, but that's what happens. You, as we talked about, you get this financial information overload. Quickly, would you go through, both of you, you and Jared both, go through what is it that you cover in a seminar? Jared, tell me the first things. Well, the first thing, um, like Shannon mentioned, we really ask the employees what they're worrying about so we can really tailor the program to meet what that group of employees um, has issues with. Um, The top three things we see, though, overall is, you know, they don't have goals their lack of knowledge about actually helping with their financial situation, and also debt. Debt seems to be one of the top things. So, you know, one of the top, number one topics we really want to come in and talk about with most companies is cash management and actually sitting down and making a budget. So that's one of the first things we really look at. You know, budgeting is so critical, and yet uh, it's difficult. To some people, it. You know, I've had people to sit in my office where we've gone through this budgeting process, and I hate to, I'm going to say this on the air, men have a tendency to say, we are going to have a budget. Yeah, you know, got to have a budget. And then the lady goes, well, okay, but we got to live by it. Well, he puts it as a ball and chain on her, and it's so she has to drag it around and go to the grocery store, go to get clothing for the kids. She's dragging this budget that he's now shackled her to. He needs a bass boat, a new shotgun, you know, golf clubs, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not part of that deal, <laughs> you know. It's another deal. Yeah, that's that's side money. That's yeah. completely <laughs> different than the budget. Yeah, yeah, that gets you in trouble not only in your finances but in your marriage. Correct. We'll do marriage one on one later. Absolutely. But that's the issue: helping a person really understanding a budget and how to work a budget. Shannon, what else do you? covering this program. So uh, the other things that we talk about, uh, are one of the, some of the hurdles to financial success, inappropriate investments, uh, we talk about taxes, procrastination, uh, and we do cover um, uh, retirement planning. So that's not, it's not, we're not saying that, you know, saving for retirement is not important because it, it most definitely is. Um, and we do cover that. So that's another topic of how much should you be saving? What are your retirement goals? And then we'll cover that in, in one of the the process. Let me encourage anybody listening. I, I wanted these guys on the program today simply because this is a topic that is becoming more and more informative, well, more and more important, and it's informing that employee that you care. If you're an employer, you care about your employees, and it's just literally simply helping them get through their financial life, and it's creating a wellness. I mean, I love the term, guys, financial wellness as an employee benefit. Shannon, you've got something going on Friday, I believe, Friday at lunch, and uh, tell me it's a Medicare seminar. Everybody asks questions. We get tons of questions on the radio program about Medicare. Tell me what's happening Friday. Friday, 1130, we're having a uh, seminar uh, to go through 
uh, what happens when you turn 65 or what happens when you retire, um, how to go through the process of signing up for Medicare, um, what is Part A, what is Part B, uh, what is prescription Part D coverage, how does it all work together, um, do I need a supplement? You know, those types of questions will be answered, and we'll t- try and take people through that process. Um, I've said this before, but we get people that come into our office with shoeboxes full of information around the time that they turn 65, um, and it's confusing. And so we're going to do our best to lay it out there and make it easy to understand um, and explain what you need to do when you turn 65. All right. We need to make sure that if you don't have a chance to come by that and for the, the office, that's at 2176. You just can simply call the tele, call the office on this telephone number, 757-5757. They'll give you that information. If you don't get a chance to get to the seminar, give Shannon a call. You can find out as much as you want to know about Medicare. Now, coming up, I've got a guy that's going to talk about long-term care insurance. What's the best age to buy long-term care? You know, we're going to find out. We're going to understand that. And I guess let me let me introduce him, and then we'll take a break here in a second. Then we'll come back with tons of questions. But uh, Jamie Jamie Cochran, been a frequent guest on the program. Jamie, you're going to talk about long-term care. Welcome to this program today, sir. Thank you, Jim. You know, one of the biggest issues is we before we get into it, how much I guess a long term care insurance for a person age sixty five, when we talk about it, what's what's really the issues here? Well, I'll tell you what, before we do this, I want to do it this way. There's need, we want to know the need, we want to know how much, and what we want to do is put it together so that people understand long term care can be a very, very big problem. So when we come back Jamie's going to help us dive into the whole concepts about what is long-term care and why do you need it. Okay, you're listening, of course, to FM 107.9 and AM 990, The Voice. We're talking about everything financial. This is Talk Radio for the Mid-South. We're glad you're listening. We'll be back with Jamie Cochran. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Despite its uniqueness, Memphis shares a great deal in common with its southern neighbor, Jackson, Mississippi. Founded within two years of each other, both cities were inseparable from the legacy of Andrew Jackson, who co-founded Memphis and in whose honor the new capital of Mississippi was named. Although, like Memphis, Jackson was founded on a river bluff, it is the only state capital to be built over an extinct volcano. Both cities were captured by Union forces in the early days of the Civil War, But Jackson bore the brunt of the fighting and was burned to the ground three times. The very few buildings that were left standing in the aftermath were for the most part either Union Army positions, including the governor's mansion, or structures used as civilian hospitals, such as Jackson City Hall. Today, Jackson is a regional medical hub known for many medical innovations, including the first successful lung transplant. This has been another Mid-South History Moment. Brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This is not intended to promote any insurance company or any particular type of insurance product. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, if you've been listening, we've gone through financial wellness and trying to figure out why it's important as an employee benefit. Jared Blair and Shannon Dyson have been with us today, and we've been going through that. If you want to call them, just to pick up the phone, call them at 757-5757. They mentioned the fact that they're going to do a Medicare seminar at the office at 1130 on Friday. That's March the 2nd. Feel free to pick up and do that. And if you don't get a chance to attend or you listen to the program later and it's a past that date, just simply call the office if you want to know more about it, because Medicare is becoming a big topic. But here's a topic that consistently seems to be moving in a direction because people are living longer. Recently, as I told you earlier, the life expectancy in the, from birth at birth in the United States in 1916 was 51.7. In other words, if you live to be 52, you beat the odds. But here's the deal. In 2016, it's 78.6, or in other words, 79 was that life expectancy. And what we're finding out, if you're living to that age, how is the quality of life? And is it important that you have an opportunity, should you need, to be able to be taken care of on a long-term care basis? 
What do you do about that? So let me start with this, Jamie. And, uh, you know, the biggest issue here is what is long-term care and what is long-term care not? If you could do that for me, just start with what is long-term care, and then I'm going to ask you when's the best time to buy it, but what is long-term care? Sure. Long-term care is making sure somebody can help you take care of uh, what we call your six activities of daily living. So if you can't um, you know, dress yourself, bathe yourself, eating, toileting, continence, transferring, you know, getting yourself around, you know, not skilled nursing care, but somebody just helping you be able to get in and out of bed. So That's you're really not care. sick is what you're telling you. saying. You're not in the hospital. You're not laying flat on your back. This is a person that's up and around, but maybe not capable of meeting, as you said, those six. Exactly. Yeah. You're just being able to live you know, on your own. So that's the main thing. And then also another thing is cognitive disabilities, meaning, you know, Alzheimer's or, you know, dementia. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people out there listening may have somebody in their family that they've seen live through that. And, um, you know, that could be another thing where you would need somebody to help you with long-term care needs. When, when we talk about that, I guess when you say this, who needs this? And then help me with this. I mean, is there a, is there a specific group of people? Because my next question, as soon as you get through who needs it, is when's the best time to buy it? Because that's been the question that we get tons of time. When do I buy long-term care? And mm-hmm. I know for a lot of people, it's a very tough decision. So who needs it? Let's talk about that. Well, nobody plans on you know, eventually not being able to feed yourself. Nobody nobody plans on getting Alzheimer's, so I'd say everybody needs a plan for taking care of their long-term care needs if something is to happen to them, you know, as they increase in age. Um, when we look at buying it, typically uh, recommending um, people get it while you're in your 50s. Um, as you, people get up into their age 60s, you know, the price uh, tends to increase. So, you know, locking in a, a lower price at a younger age typically is what we'll recommend. So you're saying uh, somewhere but in the 50s, 50... Mid-50s, about 54 is when it starts. Okay, kind of uh, get that getting... little clicks right there. So so I guess most people would think, well, I don't need it. I'm 50. I got a lot more time to go. But you're talking about just price-wise, it gets more expensive the longer you wait. We actually see in the office people wait till they get in that 60 range and where they're close to retirement, but they think about it at that point. But you're saying if you're really doing a plan, working through this, the mid-50s is a good time to look at the cost-wise. Correct. And also before the body starts falling apart. And, you know, the insurance company probably isn't going to want to insure you, um, you know, once you've already had the, uh, oh, yeah. the thing that's going to ha- that had the stroke or right. something that's going to require you to use the long-term or, care. Or something exactly. like that. I know that you've, you've told me before, 70% of people age turning to age 65 can expect to use some form of long-term care during their lifetime. And if you're, you know, a, a husband and wife, that number actually goes up dramatically that, you know, there's going to be more than that chance that you need that from that standpoint. So what are some of the factors that affects the possibility that a person's going to need care? I mean, age being one, you mentioned that. Age, uh, age, the number one reason. And then, you know, are you a male or a female? Uh, females are you know, typically going to need long-term care uh, help you know, way more than men. Men t- tend to kill over and die. <laughs> <laughs> um, and men, you know, the average uh, need for a man is 2.2 years. Uh, for a woman, it is um, you know, nearly four years. You know, three, 3.7 years is uh, the need for a woman needing long-term care needs. So let's dive into the question that is asked to us all the time. How much long-term care do I need? That's a question that, you know, just one of those things. We, we try our best to work through that person, but it is a person's own personal thought process. But how do you do that in your practice? How do you help a person to know how much do they need? Well, it depends is always going to be the, the first uh, answer that I give. But doing an analysis, figuring out, you know, does that person want to have someone come to their own home? Does that individual, how many assets do they have? Do they want to protect their assets? Do they have income streams? Do they have Social Security? Do they have a pension? Um, do they have you know, assets that they want to protect and not use uh, to spend uh, you know, paying a nurse to come take care of them? Do they have a, a child or a grandchild or a sibling or a spouse who can take care of them. Those are all factors that we look into when determining how much somebody's going to need. So if, you, if you're looking at it from a spousal standpoint, my wife at home, I mean, I'm trying to think, would she take care of me if I... Nah, maybe we don't I don't know that. about from what you were talking about earlier. With all the... <laughs> but that's really what we have a tendency to think. Is there someone that we're going to say that? But, but really, I, now I'm going to 
take this to a very personal level. Uh, I'm a little bit bigger than my wife. She's a little petite little lady. And if I happen to be confined to a bed, whether it would be at home or anywhere, she would struggle having the ability to take care of me physically just because she's not the type person. She's not big enough. Uh, and so that even she may have the heart and the desire. Well, that's still questionable, but that's <laughs> the say it is. She has the heart and the desire to do that. She just may not be physically able to do that, and that becomes an issue that you have to reckon with when you're making this decision. Well, not only that, Jim, but also, do you want her to have to do that? You know, a lot of people, it's you know, wanting to live with that dignity to say, I don't want to have to rely on my my children to take care of me. Or my I don't want to be a burden on, on people. So. You know, having the ability to say, I can have somebody else uh, come and get me in and out of bed, uh, I can have someone else feed me, uh, allows you to sit in the driver's seat. You know, I, here's the thing that I think so many people don't realize. I know we talk about this a lot, that, you know, it's not age is not a determining factor. Even though you mentioned age well ago, we think of age, and it is reality, about 70% of people over 65. But here's a statistic that I can remember when my mom was in a long-term care facility. I would go and visit her there, and as I would go past her, past room after room after room to get to her room, it was very uh, revealing to me that not everybody was uh, over 65. In fact, the statistic says about 40% of those receiving long-term care today are between the ages of 18 and 64. That's a that's a big span. Yes. But that tells you that you might not be one of those people that you've waited so long that you may still need it. And that can be very devastating to anybody, can it? Yes, exactly. So, uh, you know, things like Parkinson's disease, ALS, you know, MS, things that could kick in, you know, at a much earlier age and require long-term care needs or something that, quite frankly, is you really need to think about. And that's an issue. Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, all of those things. We had a very close friend of ours of our family that literally uh, at age 56, you know, young, uh, developed Alzheimer's. And uh, she was perfectly healthy, but that's where the family really struggled trying to take care of her. And that was a, those are issues that, we, that people really don't like to think about when it comes time to taking care of their family from that standpoint. Uh, who can receive care? I mean, when you talk about that, who, when we when we look at it, I mean, is it provided at home, or can does it have to be in a facility, or can, can who who? How do I go about getting the process? That's a question that we get. Well, most people I talk to, if they're going to have to need the care, they want to receive it at home. So when we are in, you know, creating a plan in case something like that happens, we have that discussion. So you know. Let's look at a long-term care policy that would probably pay for you to have a you know someone come and take care of you at home. There's also uh, you know facilities where you can go stay in the facility. People can take care of you, but you have the option to choose what you want to do. And I think that's the beauty of having a good long-term care insurance plan. So when we talk about it from that perspective, we say in-home care, correct, and then facility care. And mm-hmm. you need to make sure that when you're deciding which one. It's not It's which one, it's both, but you want to make sure that they're both covered because uh, you want to make the choice. Exactly. You want to have that option. And I know most people would much rather you know be at home in their own bed versus, <laughs> versus being well, in a, I in a think facility. So. Exactly. And again, that's just because there's a family around you. There's that whole idea behind it. Now, retirement communities, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but I guess the reality is long-term care is definitely a part of a plan. So if you're just tuned in, my guest, Jamie Cochran, we're talking about long-term care. Do you need it, and why do you need it, and what age do you need to buy it? We've tried to cover all those questions. We've got a couple more coming up. The facts of it, uh, reality is who pays for long-term care? We're going to find that out. So you just tuned in. Of course, you're listening to The Voice. AM 990 and FM 107.9. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Hi, this is George Bryant, General Manager of The Voice FM 107.9 and AM 990 with a special announcement. 
if you're an expert in your field, if you represent an organization, if you think you can help Memphis become a better place by sharing your life experience on family, environment, health, relationships, government, home improvement, raising pets, whatever your passion is, give me a call. If you've ever wanted to have your own radio show or podcast, now is the time. We have immediate opening, so call me today. You can be the host of your own show, a show that you own. Talk to Memphis on The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. My number is 901-261-4200, extension 228. That's 261-4200, extension 228. Well, I finally did it. My student loan is totally paid off. What? What about our plan to win the lottery and start living? You know, travel the world on matching yachts, wear enough jewelry to require a bodyguard, vacation on the French Riviera, and then buy it. You know we're never going to win the lottery, right? When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're talking with Jamie Cochran. We're talking about literally long-term care and do you really need it? And if you do, how do you make those decisions? How do you go through the process? And some of the things we've covered so far is, you know, there's six individual things, the activities. We call them activities of daily living. That's bathing, eating, dressing, continence, toileting, and transfer. The reality is any one of those that you can't do, you literally can end up finding out that you're going to need to be able to go to possibly either a long-term care facility, as Jamie's talked about, or to have a long care provi- long-term care provider in your home taking care of you. Now, that's unpaid caregiver can be a family member, and again, or a friend, or something like that. That's obviously, but you can have that paid, or at least some of the benefits for that person taken care of. And then if it's a nursing home, or a home health care, or some home care aid, or something, that can be paid. They can come to the home. Bottom line is, we find out a lot of people like to be able to stay at home, if they can, before they go to a facility. Now, the facility-based programs, that's a nursing home, or maybe it's a uh, you know a, a retirement community that you're there and they're giving you some type of benefit there. You just need to know. And so I'm going to encourage you, buying long-term care insurance can be pretty difficult because it's confusing. We've seen long-term care go from just an individual policy where you paid something. Where This is probably 10, 15, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. You paid for something. You got a policy. It told you exactly what it would cover. You had to read the fine print and make sure that you understood it. That's one way. Then we went to saw all of a sudden where you bought life insurance. And if you didn't, you know, if you didn't die, you could take some of the cash value out of this and it would some kind of a program that the insurance policy would allow you to withdraw pre-death cash values at a non-taxable event to take care of long-term care. That became a long-term care type of contract. And now recently we see where you can actually, from an insurance company, deposit so many dollars and they will give you an extended amount of an additional amount of long-term care. If you don't use it, guess what? You don't lose it. You get it coming back to you. Now the Payments on it are relatively very, very small. It's not like it's an investment, but it does give you a chance to have something like that. Now, there are all kinds of programs out there. What we're trying to tell you is, before you go out and buy one of them, make sure you kind of have an idea of what you're looking for and how to go through that process. Give Jamie a call at 757-5757. Now, Jamie, let me ask you this. I I guess one of the things, when I think about long-term care, individuals can buy it personally by themselves. That's a long-term care policy. That's an insurance policy. But that's not the only way that you can get long-term care. What about Medicare? Can What does that provide person for, with Medicare? Let's just do, since you, Shannon, let's just do it this way. You're talking about long-term care, and you're talking about Medicare coming up Friday. You answer that question. What's Medicare do for us when it comes to 
long-term care. One of the questions that consistently comes up um, when we do these seminars on on Medicare is, you know, I'm looking at a long-term care policy, but do I really need that? Because Medicare is going to cover me, right? And the truth of the matter is that Medicare covers skilled nursing and rehabilitative services in a, in a nursing facility up to 100 days, uh, but it doesn't cover things like activities of daily living. I mean, these are this is a skilled skilled nursing, or if you're not rehabilitating, um, you can't stay in a nursing care facility and be covered under Medicare. Um, and even if you are getting skilled nursing, you only have 100 days. And so that's something that we we go through with uh, people to let them know, hey, you you don't. You don't have long-term care insurance just because you now have Medicare. Okay, that's that's important for us to know. It's a maximum of 100 days. You don't automatically get to extend anything after that. What would you tell a person who says, hey, I'm at the 90th day, what do you do? Yeah, that, so that's that's the tough thing is like at that point, what do you do? Because you, now you're, you've been in a skilled nursing facility. Um, you're probably not going to be able to apply or be approved for long-term care insurance. So these decisions need to be made. And I think having these types of, of talks and letting people know Medicare is not the answer for your long-term care. You need to talk to someone that has the ability to talk to you about long-term care insurance. Jamie, what about Medicaid? This is a deal where people now, they've, they've gone through their money, kind of what he was talking about. When does Medicaid kick in? What What's the best way to look at Medicaid? Medicaid, the best way to look at it is kind of your, your last option, Okay. the, the, the safety net that, that we have. So um, it depends on the state that you're in, but you know the, the, the limit is about you're going to have $2,000 of assets, not counting, not counting your home. Right. So basically, if you have more than $2,000 in the bank, you're not going to qualify for Medicaid. So reality is it's it's designed for that, as you said, a safety net, kind of that last-ditch effort to take care of that person should they not have any assets left over. Is there anything, I mean, guys, what do you talk to a person? I mean, there's a lot of people do a lot of planning, try to get things out of their estates, because what we find is you either don't have enough to take care of yourself if this happens, or you could have too much. You can have enough to pay for long-term care. But the plan is that person that's in the middle, reality is that's how you're going to end up sucking everything out. And then you've got the person left over who is the spouse who you've watched all the money and the assets go away. And now you got to take care of them after that. That's the need for long-term care. Correct. And that goes back to you know sitting down and having a plan because you can take advantage of the Medicaid and use that if you have started you know, several years uh, before accessing the Medicaid. Well, let's talk about that just briefly, because I think people need to understand, if you're trying to get assets out of your estate in order to qualify for Medicare, excuse me, Medicaid, you can't do that the day before. Exactly. You've got to do that five years and a day prior to the need. So there is some planning that must go into place before this can happen. So if you're talking to a parent and you know that you've got two individuals, you've got to do some planning there to make that happen. And exactly. that's something you just can't – just don't throw that out there and say, okay, guys, we can do that. Yeah, so don't wait till you're in your 60s and 70s to talk about long-term care. That's you know, start talking about in your 40s and your 50s and sit down with your planner uh, and you know, come up with a plan. Well, guys, thanks so much because today's been a very informative program. I hope that my wife will let me go back later on, Shannon, and, and work through this transition that I've got to because we talked about financial wellness and really how that attitude and that behavior can change if you go through financial wellness. And really, Jamie, you've really helped us out with long-term care. I appreciate everybody being here. Thanks, guys. So appreciate you so much. You're listening, of course, to Talk Money. I thank you for being a part of today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money this is talk money jim shoemaker and jamie cochran are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of security and financial services inc securities dealer member fnira sipc a registered investment advisor shoemaker financials independently owned and operated talk money is produced by greg ratliff guest and content coordination francis fortner production assistant eleanor moskovitz compliance officer tommy armstrong mid-south history moment rebecca brazier and drew johnson we'll see you next week on talk money